One of the most frustrating tropes in the media about Black women is that we're always angry, especially Black American women. As a Black woman who knows tons of Black women from all over the world, I find this persistent assertion exhausting and just not true. But I also think that it's an acknowledgement by other folks that we actually do have a lot to be angry about. As a person who is focused in the personal finance space, I come across numbers and data all the time that rightfully enrages me on behalf of Black women like myself. The fact that there's over a 51% chance that we'll find ourselves in a financial caregiving role or that we've been encouraged to get educated, which is so great, and have become the most educated population in the U.S., but the price is literally becoming the face of the student loan crisis. And it looks like the current administration won't be passing student loan forgiveness anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. Or that dealing with statistics on the persistent pay gap and Black women's earnings versus white men continues to show that we're just as hard as we're working. It just feels like for what? Of course I get angry, but instead I'm focused on what I can control. In this episode, I'm sharing tips and ideas on how to avoid becoming a financially angry Black woman and some tips, tools, and resources to help us grow our income and create joy around our finances. Want to lead a more socially equitable financial life but aren't sure where to start? Grab my Good Money Toolkit today, a resource sharing the ins and outs of leading a socially equitable lifestyle without going broke. Grab the resource in today's show notes or use the following link, michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash good money. I was listening to a Twitter space about applying for grants being hosted by April Rain, creator of the viral hashtag OscarsSoWhite from a few years ago. It was an incredible two hours of free information that many of the attendees, the majority of these listeners probably wouldn't have had access to. Like we would have never had access to these people if it weren't for this digital tool. And what I was struck by was that they were so giving in their expertise, their information, and there were no gatekeepers keeping us from all of these resources that would better our lives. What was incredible, though, about this space was the insane number of women, in particular, Black women who showed up as attendees, but were experts in the grant space and shared their expertise without hesitation with the rest of us. It was so astonishing that April commented on this. Without those women, the space would have been totally different. So strategy number one is share your expertise. In fact, the expertise that these women shared was so in-depth that they changed the impact of the entire experience and Twitter space that we were on. Without them, that Twitter space would have been really good, but with their input was astounding. You can literally begin doing this today, sharing your expertise via Twitter spaces, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok if you're not boycotting it. If you're excited about Twitter spaces, you can check out the following resource that I created on how to leverage it at 
brandbuildinglab.com backslash Twitter spaces. Sharing your expertise is such an empowering feeling. There's nothing better than helping other people without expectation. It's like the law of reciprocity just happening in real time. One thing to be careful of is just to balance out the time and energy that it takes to do this. I create a lot of free content that allows me to share resources, tips, and ideas with others. So this podcast would be one of those ways that I do this, but the podcast takes a lot of time. I pay money actually to um, have some of my episodes edited. And there's a reason why I now share affiliates or get sponsorships because I need to get paid (laughs) on the back end to do this. But that doesn't mean the audience is responsible for that payment. Strategy number two, share your resources. I love that technology has made it easier to share impactful tips, tricks, and information specific to having a better financial life. Before I discuss this further though, I do want to share a disclaimer as always specific to money and money resources on the internet. You need to do your research. You must use discernment and your common sense. If I read another like story about someone who got excited about something and invested all their money and lost it all, I'm going to scream. Use your common sense. Anywho, that said, I share resources all the time online. The one strategy helps to counteract those gatekeeping activities that other people are doing. So by me sharing resources, that's one way that I can mitigate some of the gatekeeping that other people are doing and keeping people from ideas, tools, and resources that could help grow their money. Here's what you can do. Share the communities that you join that support the financial goals that you're working towards. If you're interested in debt repayment, there are groups for that. If you're looking to earn more, there are communities for that. If you're interested in FIRE, financial independence, retire early, there are groups such as women of color pursuing FI. There are groups for all of these things. And so you don't know what you don't know, and you may not know that other people are completely unaware of this. Facebook in particular has tons of groups like this. You can go on Twitter and hashtag search for groups or communities specific to your interests. You can do the same on Instagram. You can do the same on YouTube. There's a lot of community and and content out there around what you're trying to do. And I think that it's really helpful when people who belong to these groups share what they are. There are the binders groups, which are private groups actually that help women earn money in the freelancing space. They're private though, so you can't just bind them. You actually have to be invited in by a member. These are things that you just need to be aware of, but how can you be aware of them if people like myself don't bring them up? The binders groups are for women or folks identifying as women. I should clarify that. Tell people how to create a mastermind group that holds you accountable to the goals you've set for yourself. I've shared a resource in the show notes for that, but I've belonged to free mastermind groups that help me stay focused and accountable. And also they share resources with me. I do the same for the members in the group. I actually share what the members of the group do outside of the groups. In my freelancing group, they are very aware that I do share tips and ideas that I get from the group onto my Twitter feed. I do not disclose who these people are. 
I do not disclose anything like really specific conversations that we've had, but I do disclose how they grow their income. Because if I don't, people won't have an idea of how to do it. I had no idea how to do it. So this is an important distinction to make. You can't share all the, you can't share all people's information, but you can definitely share strategies and things like that. So with private groups, be careful. There's a tightrope that you have to walk, but if they're fine with it and I had to disclose, I'm like, Hey guys, I'm sharing this. Is that okay? They were fine with, they haven't said nothing to me about it. They're like, well, then there you go. If an educational resource such as Harvard's computing classes that you can audit for free crosses your path like it did mine, share that with people. People don't know that they can take a Harvard class in order to better their skill set from home online, and then you can just audit it for free. You can pay for a certificate at the end proving that you've taken the course, but If you have the information and the expertise that you've learned the expertise and you go out in the world and you figure out a way to apply it, there you go. But for many people, they have no idea that this is a possibility. So share that. Even though it feels like it's been shared over and over again, maybe the person wasn't hearing the information from other people and they hear it from you. So there you go. I've also shared food resources for people needing access to nourishment. Here in Denver, we have, it's called the Denver Community Fridges Program. And there's just food put in refrigerators throughout the city of Denver and people just have access to them. But people don't know about that if you don't tell them. So I share that information. Strategy number three, share your experiences. And these are strategies to avoid becoming financially angry black women. (laughs) By sharing your experiences, you may be validating someone else's similarly lived experience. Maybe you're a really high income earner and it feels like no one else is. It's just you. You'll be surprised by how many people are living a similar experience of maybe feeling invisible because they don't see someone else who looks like them doing the same thing. By sharing your experience, you may be expanding another person's awareness of the challenges that you face. I had friends who really supported me in my online business, but they had no idea that I was having difficulties up-leveling due to lack of knowledge on how to do it until I said something to them. I said something on Twitter and one of my friends noticed it and was like, wait a minute, Michelle, we didn't know. I didn't know that this was an issue. And every since then, it's two, two years since that day, I get resources, tools, suggested opportunities from this friend literally on a weekly basis. And I do the same for them. They didn't know. So I, you have to, like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Sometimes you have to speak up so that people know what's going on. And that was a game changer actually for my business. Tell people how you negotiated a higher compensation package, what worked and what didn't work. This is a huge one. Not everyone wants to work for themselves. A lot of people are 100% happy working a nine to five. I loved working my nine to five until I didn't. It was a great job. I got to design student activities. I met people from all over the world. I knew that once a month I'd get a check on the last business Friday of the month. It was great. I had great benefits. I got to take classes. I worked at a university. I got to take up to nine credits a year for free. I loved that job until I didn't. Tell people 
about how you negotiated a higher compensation package. Because in my defense, I didn't do that. I was just so excited to get the job because I'd been looking for work for so long that I didn't negotiate when I first started that job. And in retrospect, I wonder what I could have done better. Representation matters, but so do allies. Allies, please listen to our stories and when possible, help people out. And when I say allies, I'm not just talking about white people. I'm talking about people who are in roles of authority, such as in the human resource community and you're tasked with hiring folks. One of the most upsetting stories that I heard about so far this year, it's 2022 at the time I'm recording this, was how a woman named Mercedes, who looks like she's black, talked about hiring a candidate $40,000 below the allocated budget for the role that they were hiring this candidate for. Her reasoning that they would learn a financial lesson in the long run. How are you supposed to learn a lesson if you don't even know that you're under negotiating your compensation? I just feel like there was an opportunity in that conversation she was having with that prospect to be like, hey, this is not the record, but maybe you need to negotiate more. Here are some tools and resources to help you with that process and then come back to me. She didn't have to like spill all the tea. She could have just given them some tools. If she had said, hey, you need to renegotiate this. Here are some tools that you can use to better negotiate your compensation package. That candidate, they would have known that there was something wrong with their compensation. Strategy number four, share impactful financial opportunities. There are so many tools and resources to earn more or leverage someone else's dollar, but we don't know, again, what we don't know. And for many of us, it can be really frustrating as you don't even know where to start. So here's how I help connect others with opportunities thoughtfully, and I'll share how I do it on a daily basis. One of the ways that I currently earn money, I've mentioned this before, is freelance writing. Now, I'll be honest, by the end of 2022, my goal is to phase it out. But right now, I still really enjoy doing it. It's just hard to, for me, I don't want to scale it to the point where I have a billion clients. I don't want to do that. I'd rather scale different products in my business. Anyway, for those of you who are freelance writing and make, making an income with that, one of the most frustrating parts of building up that income is finding projects that pay well and just kind of figuring out how to consistently find leads as well as finding anchor clients. So what I do is share freelance projects that pay over $300 with the potential of becoming anchor clients. I share this all the time on Twitter in particular, because that's where I'm most active. You can follow me at Mitch Loves Money, M-I-C-H Loves Money. And why a minimum of $300? I got kind of stuck between 200 and 250. And I was just like, why aren't I able to find projects paying $300 or more? Like it was just, it just seemed like that was just not happening. And so this is why I always share $300 or more because that was the threshold that I got stuck at. Like I just felt like I wasn't finding those projects and there are tons of them out there. And so this is why I share it. I share grant and scholarship opportunities. I share job leads. I talk about how to attend transformative events for free or at a discount. These events could include conferences, webinars, or fun activities. 
The next strategy, which is strategy number five, is to cultivate financial joy. I recently shared a podcast episode about the financial emotional cost of fun. I think about all the hard work all of my family has done, and I think about the fact that many of my relatives' opportunities to have fun were limited depending on their money and just what was going on in their lives at the time. There's a reason why I share how to have fun for free all the time. It's shocking to me all the fun stuff that there is to do out there for free. But again, people might not have the time to search for it or don't know where to start. So that's why I share these things. Here's the thing. It's 100% valid for Black women to be financially angry. <laughs> it's so valid. Here are a list of policy initiatives that the U.S. in particular just declines to pass that would help not only Black women, but all citizens. These are policies that would help our wallet that the U.S. is just like, nah, it's all right. Federal minimum leave or vacation time. I don't think people quite understand the fact that we don't have a federal mandated minimum leave. I know that most of us get about 10 days a year, but that's just like a, like a unspoken, okay, like let's do 10 days a year. Other countries don't have this issue. <laughs> they literally have mandated leave for vacation, PTO, or both. Maternity and paternity leave. Again, Western countries all over Europe and Canada have this. They have access to this. It is legislated. So when you're going to Sweden or Canada or France or the UK, they all have this. And we're so dumb. We're like, we, we, we don't want this. What, why? And we're, I mean, Americans. Why is this a complicated scenario for us? Why don't we understand that everybody else has this, but we want to fight against it? It's so dumb. So maternity paternity leave exists everywhere in Western countries. Just does. Just does. And it, it just makes no sense that, that people here fight against it other than racism, ignorance, and just, and just wanting to one-up other people or not, or just having this feeling that other people don't deserve it. So if I can't have it, no one else can. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. By the way, I don't even have kids right now. I don't have kids right now. And I advocate for this policy because it just makes sense. It's not hard. I lived in France. I loved seeing all of the stuff that the parents had access to. I loved watching the little kids. They would walk around. They they go to this thing called crush, which is kind of like preschool. And they would all hold this, this uh, cord with little loops. And each one would have their little hand in a loop. And they would just have a beautiful day. Why is it so hard? We've got the money for it too. That's what makes it crazy. Ugh. Anyway, I'm ranting. I'm done. Free or inexpensive education. We're having very valid conversations about the cost of an education and the financial long-term price that people are paying. In last week's episode about building generational wealth in Black communities, I uh, spoke with Julian and Kirsten Saunders. It's a great, great episode. And one of the things that we talked about was just really sitting down and considering what's the price of education. And in African-American homes, we're often told, go get educated. Why? Because we were held back from getting educated. But now the conversation has to be really clear around the price of an education, right? You can't just go get educated. It costs money, a lot of money now. Back in the 70s, it was cheap. 80s, cheap. 90s, not so cheap. 2000s, oh my God. So getting educated comes at a price. 
And there's more than one way to get educated. And that's something that we just have to talk about. There's just no way around this. I could go on, but I just don't want to. Instead, I want to encourage you to do the following. Connect with a financial therapist. If you're finding that you're having mental blocks around money, that could include blocks around under earning, feeling guilty for doing well, or navigating issues connected to money and family, speak to someone. There are black financial therapists out there and there are also allied therapists who you kind of have to work with and navigate how responsive they are to hearing what your truth is, but they can be a great resource. Do something fun, at least a minimum, a bare minimum of once a month. Again, I always share how to do a lot of things for free. I also will thoughtfully pay for theater tickets, basketball games, trips to the mountains, goat yoga, R&B yoga. The idea is just to plan for these things. So maybe I, in the past, wanted to go to a basketball game, but I knew that $15 tickets would be available. This is the thing, actually. $15 tickets are available for a lot of home nuggets games. And I've subscribed to their newsletter. So I find out about that a couple of days before the game. I'm okay sitting in the 300 section away from all the people and their germs right now. It's COVID. It's still a good time. I'm still enjoying it. I used to take the students, actually, when I worked at the university, I would take them to the games. We would sit in the sections that I'm talking about. We had a great time. We had a great time. Theater tickets, same thing. Maybe you go to a 2 p.m. showing versus the 7 p.m., a matinee versus the evening showing. Matinee is always cheaper. So there's a lot of ways to do a thing. It doesn't have to be the most expensive price. You just might have to adjust your flexibility and your expectations around how you experience something. Cultivate financial growth. This is the most important thing. Learn about money. You don't know what you don't know. And there's absolutely no judgment around this. Learning about money and your finances is like learning another language. There's so much that you have to learn. There's earning more. There's negotiating your wage. There's taxes. The list is long. Investing. Right now there's crypto. By the way, don't even touch crypto if you cannot lose money. <laughs> it's a long-term process. My point is take the time to learn about money. Read books, take classes, follow financial influencers while using your discernment around what they're talking about. You need to do your own research. Start investing. You can literally begin investing with $1. No one talks about this enough. $1. And maybe that's all you've got. Build the investing habit over time. You'll naturally invest more as you learn more and earn more. Earn more. The one financial conversation that I wish financial influencers would spend more time on is earning more. I will say that when I was making consistently $500 extra, that made a huge difference in my monthly finances. It's also not lost on me that there's a statistic that most Americans don't have an extra $400 to deal with a financial emergency. So that $500 before taxes hit that threshold. Then there's earning significantly more. Strategically leave your old job and build in significant raises each time you do. When you are applying for a new job, it's not enough to be like, I just need a new job. If you need to sit down and be like, okay, this is what I earned before. And I want to build in a 20, 30, 
40% raise. Like people are doing that all the time now, but they're not just willy nilly just going out there and, and being like, I'm applying for a job. They have a strategy. They, they have looked at their numbers. There is a goal. They are very intentional around that. This puts the power back in your hands. 3% raises, if you're even getting them, just don't work in the long, short term. In fact, I quit my old job because of a, I think it was a 2.7% raise. And I figured out that over time with all of the extra work that I was doing, it was like a quarter, an hour. And I was like, fuck this. I, why am I doing this? Don't be crazy though. <laughs> so, so thoughtfully have something else set up and in mind and build in a significant raise when you're applying for other jobs simplify your expenses. I paid off so much debt. And what I learned from that experience is that the less you owe, the more your money will grow. Keep your finances as simple as possible. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have debt. Debt occurs. I'm saying that you need to keep everything as simple as possible. You just do. Apply for every scholarship or grant that comes your way and makes sense for your situation and what you're trying to do. Not as many people as you think are applying for these opportunities. This is why I talk about it so much. Even if you receive a small percentage of these opportunities, that's money that you don't have to work for or spend and your earned income can be allocated towards something else like growing your investments or your savings account or what have you. Learn how to make money separate from your traditional nine to five, preferably online. Many employees are inadvertently giving their employer way too much power over them by not having a plan B for making money. Avoid the naysayers. You know, the people who don't believe in your vision of becoming a financially happy black woman or want to drag you into being angry all the time. Sometimes you're going to be angry. That's normal. I just want you to channel that anger into focused, impactful action and go to a rage room to work things out when you're pissed off. You know, a rage room is where they have like all these things that you can beat up with a baseball bat kind of like Office Space, the movie. If you're really young and haven't seen this movie, you've got to see this movie. It's a classic for a reason. There are financially angry Black women in my life. I understand their anger, but I've noticed that there's a tipping point where that anger impacts how you move through the world and obviously not in a good way. I want to encourage us to be mindful of this in the same way that we talk about hashtag Black boy joy or Black girl joy. The way that we try to focus and protect our children and other young people around us is so important. We Black women have to do the same for ourselves. I've been a financially angry Black woman, and in the long run, my anger harmed me and my wallet because I would spin in a way that was misaligned, but the anger was part of the, the misalignment. I don't want this for you. Do you have suggestions on how to avoid becoming a financially angry Black woman? what worked for you. Share with me on Twitter. I appreciate it. Again, you can follow me at Mitch Loves Money, M-I-C-H Loves Money. One of my favorite things to do is to find financial tools and products that make reaching your money goals easier. Cube Money is one of my favorite financial tools that I use to save towards different financial goals. Cube works as a digital envelope system and is paired with a Visa debit card and app. You basically transfer money into your FDIC insured account and save towards your different financial goals. That cool conference you would like to attend in the fall, set up a Cube Money account and begin saving towards it. The charitable giving you would like to do during the holiday season, set up your Cube account and start saving now. I'm a proud affiliate of Cube and think it's a great financial tool to add to your money toolkit. 
Go to michellesmoneyhungry.com backslash cube money to find out more. 